It's crossover Thursday all across the Locked On Podcast Network, so that means Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs, will join the show to talk all things Kansas City. Plus, Raiders special teamers get well-deserved contract extension. It's all going down on this episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast for this December 9th, 2021. Let's get it. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. Welcome in Raider Nation to today's episode of the Locked On Raiders podcast. It's being brought to you today by Stat Hero. It's the first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups, winner take all. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. I'll tell you all about that later on in the show. Also, I'd like to thank you for making the Locked On Raiders podcast your first listen each and every day. And remember, you can find the show free and available on all platforms off top want to jump into some big time news big time contract extensions were rolled out on wednesday for a couple guys that were well deserved in the special teams category for the silver and black and that's one daniel carlson the kicker his news came down first the raiders signed daniel carlson to a four-year 18.4 million dollar extension that includes a four million dollar signing bonus and 10.2 million guaranteed he is now the nfl's third highest paid kicker and Daniel Carlson has been doing the damn thing all season long he's really been one of the Raiders MVPs and really it's unfortunate I mean you're happy for him because he got the bag you're happy for him because he's been a really good kicker but then you're upset because you realize that the Raiders have had to use him so many times he's 27 for 30 this season on field goal attempts that's 90 percent seven for eight from 20 to 29 yards 10 for 10 from 30 to 39 yards Five of six from 40 to 49 yards and five of six from 50 plus. Again, 27 out of 30 for 90%. And check this out. To let you know that he's being used more than he really should be as far as field goals go, 23 of 25 on extra points. So the Raiders have only scored 25 touchdowns. He's only kicked 25 extra points following touchdowns, but yet he's kicked, attempted 30 field goals. That is where the problem is. That's one of the biggest problems that the Silver and Black have had so far this season. But shout out to Daniel Carlson, uh, a guy that was originally drafted by the Minnesota Vikings, uh, just didn't have a very good rookie year the first couple games. Mike Zimmer released him, let him go. John Gruden and the Raiders picked him up, and, well, he's been money in the bank ever since, and he gets the money in the bank on Wednesday. Again, four-year, $18.4 million extension, $4 million signing bonus, and a $10.2 million guaranteed uh, per signing. So that's really cool for Daniel. Daniel Carlson most likely will be the guy that represents the Raiders in the Pro Bowl this upcoming year. Uh, also, how about how about his battery mate? How about the punter, A.J. Cole? He's been balling all season long as well, right? He gets a four-year extension. It was funny, Mike Garofalo from uh, NFL Network, he tweeted out on Wednesday night, a special, in air quotes, night for the Raiders. Not only have they extended kicker Daniel Carlson, they agreed to turns on punter A.J. Cole on a four-year extension as well per his agent. Cole leads the NFL in punt yardage and will now be paid among the league's top four punters. The deal should come in around $3 million per year, so the Raiders lock up their kicker and punter in the same night. So shout out to both those guys because, again, they're very well-deserved. They've been balling all season long, and it's so funny. I saw on Twitter all day or all evening on Wednesday that the Raiders now have their new Seabass in Shane Leckler, and I know that it's you know kind of um, one of those things that you kind of just shake your head when two of your best guys are your kicker and your punter, but that's very important, and it's kind of the Raiders 
Raiders way, right? So uh, it's not quite Seabass and Leckler, but they're doing a heck of a job and they got paid for it. The Raiders rewarded them for it on Wednesday. And I'll say one thing about this that I think is really good. Them getting locked up and knowing the way that they came up throughout their career and knowing that those are homegrown, basically Raider guys, right? Is, is showing other guys on the organization. If you go out there and you ball out and you play really well, you will get rewarded. Similar to what you saw when Colton Miller got his contract extension. They got, gave it to him before he really needed it. He was out there and he was doing a heck of a job and they said, hey, we're going to lock you up. That is good to see so other players in the organization could see that and say, okay, as long as I go out there and do what I'm supposed to do and do it at a high level, this team will reward me. There's been times in the past when the Raiders have always kind of been reluctant to pay their players uh, until it's too late and then they end up having to overpay for free agency. So it's good to let your homegrown players know if we draft you and you ball out for us, we're going to take care of you. So it's good to see that the Raiders are continuing to do that. Now I want to continue to go through some news and notes real quick with uh, media session audio from Wednesday. And uh, interim head coach Rich Versaccia, he met with the media. Quarterback Derek Carr met with the media. Divine Diablo, the linebacker, has been getting a little bit more burn as of late. And then Mad Max Crosby also met with the media. But I just want you to hear a few sound bites, three as a matter of fact, from interim head coach Rich Versaccia. First of all, the opening statement was the injury report. And the injury report, it did come out. I tweeted it out, at your boy Q254, if you follow me on Twitter. And it was long for the silver and black and I promise you it feels like all season long their injury report has been a lot longer than the opposing teams but here's Rich Bisaccia giving the update on the injury report as of Wednesday. Good afternoon um, I'll kind of hit where we're at injury wise for you so we can um, move on to the questions Trayvon Mullen and uh, Gillespie ran around in practice today pretty good so we'll, uh, we'll be able to make a better decision towards the end of the week but um, Trayvon going into his second week uh, thought he ran around really well today um, uh, Waller still is day-to-day, and um, we'll see how Perryman does a t- little bit more towards the end of the week. Patrick uh, would be out right now, and we put Kenyon Drake and Nick Kwiatkowski on IR. Uh, Nick for sure for three weeks, and then Kenyon will be done for the year. Um, Carl Nassip ran around with the uh, training staff over on the side today, so we'll see where he's at. I'll know a little bit more by Friday on him. Quinn Jefferson had a back uh, spasm come up to him again um, today, so uh, he was – out today, hopefully get him back tomorrow for sure by Friday. Uh, Corey Littleton um, and Markel Lee were a little bit limited today, but they did run around and uh, do a good bit of practice for us. We signed uh, Will Compton to the practice squad, and um, we hope to get Trent Sieg back here within a day or two from COVID, and we'll see closer towards the end of the week where Jalen Richard is. So there you go. Very lengthy injury report for the Raiders on Wednesday. Trayvon Mullen, Tyree Gillespie later this week. They'll have a better idea with them. Waller still day-to-day. Perriman, end of the week. Drake, Kwiatkowski, those guys on IR. Of course, Drake is out for the year. Uh, Kwiatkowski, he could come back after three games. Carl Nassib is a guy that you'll have to pay attention to around Friday to get a better idea. Corey Littleton, Markel Lee, both guys still hobbled. Will Compton, he's on the practice squad. Trent Sieg, possibly back from COVID by Friday. And Jalen Richard, well, that's still up in the air. But man, that's a lengthy list. And of course, the update right there with Will Compton, as I talked about on the show, that he had reported that he was signing with the Silver and Black and nothing official came out. Well, he was at practice on Wednesday, and now it's official like a referee's whistle. But uh, Will Compton is just on the practice squad, and you know he's a guy that is a veteran and, and knows you know what he's doing in, in a pinch. And so uh, with the injuries to Perryman and Littleton, you just never know what kind of depth you need. So uh, not 
not a bad signing. Again, like I mentioned on Wednesday's show, he's not going to do a whole lot, but he's there and he'll ride it out the rest of the season. So uh, that was the injury report right there. So obviously this game coming up, and we're going to get a good preview of it with Chris Clark, uh, host of Locked On Chiefs, coming up in segment number two and three. This is going to be a big game, man. This is going to be a tough game. It's in Kansas City, Arrowhead, and the Raiders haven't been playing well. You know, sometimes they play well, other times they don't. But they haven't, throughout the course of the year, gotten off to quick starts. So how important and how much are they preaching getting off to a quick start on Sunday versus the Chiefs? You know, I think when you look at the success we had in Denver and Philly um, and Dallas, you know, we got off to quick starts. And really the Cincinnati game, defense gave us the ball in the nine-yard line and we come out of there with a field goal. So I think in the games that have either gone down to the wire for us or certainly the ones that we've had a chance to win at the end, we've started fast. So we've addressed that with the players. We've addressed that with each other. Um, we're always trying to do that. You know, we're, we're, um, we're trying to finish faster if we can. And, and uh, so, again, we, we do things in practice at times. We do things in some of our preparations and pregame to get us a mindset. We'd love to get off the field in the first set on defense, and we'd love to score with our first set on offense. I think when you listen to coach speak, we'd all like to do that, right? That's how we'd like to enter um, every game. Um, when it goes in your favor that way, you feel like you can keep rolling. When it doesn't, well, we've been 14 down and come back and won a game as well this year. So um, either way, we have to keep going. But we'd certainly love to start fast. So there's interim head coach Rich Basaccia talking about uh, the Raiders' need and want and desire to get off to quick starts. And he, he laid out a few different scenarios where they have gotten off to quick starts. And no, they really haven't. All season long, they've been slow starters. Just no doubt about it. Obviously, that's something that everyone can see. They've literally scored a touchdown on the first drive of the game only three times all season long. They did it against the Eagles. They did it against the Giants. And then the last time they did it was against the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, are they going to be able to do it again? Who knows? I, I don't know. But they've got to find a way to get off to quick starts. They just cannot continue to get off to these slow starts and then try to battle back and battle back and battle back and try to win it at the end like they attempted to do on Sunday against the Washington football team. And uh, the final sound bite that I want you to hear from Rich Versace is something that we talked about a lot on the show as well is the fact that the Raiders don't have a lot of success at home. They really don't. I mean, and that's a shame, you know, to, to have lost 10 games at home in the time that they've been playing at Allegiant Stadium is a shame, you know. And so Rich Passaccia was asked, why do they have so much success on the road as opposed to what they do at home at Allegiant Stadium? I don't know if I knew the answer to that. I told him today, obviously, we like playing away. And, uh, you know, it's not really a good thing because we'd love to be able to defend our house and, and uh, make that a, a place people don't want to come play. And but since we've been here, you know, we've had some favor on the road for whatever those reasons are. And maybe it's the routine of um, what Friday looks like. And then we come in on Saturday and we get on a plane and we're together and we're closer. And uh, I, I wish I could tell you and, and bottle it and, and make it happen at home as well. So um, but I do hope that we, we can go on the road this week and, and play well again, you know, whatever that routine may be. But it, it is certainly part of our conversations. And we deal with the players on that about the hotel we're staying in, the beds we're sleeping in and the routine that we have when we're on the, uh, at home compared to when we're on the road. So all those things, these are great questions. Just so you guys know, they're all constant conversations within ourselves as well. So it really doesn't have an answer for why they can't perform and win games at home, but it's something that has got to be addressed. He says that they're talking about it. Uh, I even like the fact that at the end he tried to compliment the reporters and say, hey, the questions you guys are asking, we're talking about as well. So obviously they're listening. 
You know, now they're never going to say that, oh, we listen to what you guys say. We, we read what you guys write, all that stuff. They're never going to admit that. But you could just tell by the way he said that at the end that they're listening. They're hearing everything. They're reading everything. They know what the conversation, what the narrative is about. I don't know what they've got to do to find out uh, how to start winning at home. But I did notice that, and I thought that that was interesting when he said maybe it's the routine because I've mentioned that as well. Having that structure of getting on a plane at a certain time, getting to the hotel at a certain time, getting into bed at a certain time. You know what I mean? Just Having that kind of structure which you have on the road, maybe it's easier for them to focus than it is at home, which is a shame. You should be able to have that focus at home. But clearly, they do not as of yet, and they've got to figure out how to get that thing cooking. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Coming up in segment number two, part one of the conversation with Chris Clark. He's the host of the Locked On Chiefs. It's week 14. The Chiefs are next up on the schedule. And, of course, it's a trip to Arrowhead. So uh, we'll have that conversation coming up in segment number two and segment number three. Before I get to it, though, I do want to tell you about the title sponsor of the show, which is Stat Hero. And nobody plays daily fantasy sports to lose, right? Winning feels so much better. But traditional fantasy sports are a long-term losing proposition because you never know who and you never know what you're up against. Stat Hero is the very first of its kind daily fantasy sports platform where it's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups. Winner takes all. And the crazy part? Stat Hero shows you their lineups before you play and you handpick the team you want to face one-on-one. This never-before-seen innovation of a fantasy sports and sports betting hybrid has stat hero players clocking odds that are over four times better. Why is that? Well, because you don't have to compete against thousands of experts or unknown. Again, stat hero puts you in control of your fate. With stat hero, you're in control of the stakes. You decide how much you're going to play, and stat hero has no choice but to take it because they're daring you to beat them. Head-to-head is what Daily Fantasy should be, one-on-one. That's Stat Hero. Sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's right, stathero.com slash locked on. Use that promo code locked on and get a 100% match. Stathero.com slash locked on, promo code locked on. Just for the folks in the back row. Terms and conditions apply. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we go. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Time to jump into part one of the conversation to break down the Chiefs and the Raiders. It is crossover Thursday. Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs, joins the show twice a year to talk about this matchup. The last one was at Allegiant Stadium. This one is in Arrowhead. So let's go ahead and jump right into part one of my conversation, Raiders and Chiefs, with Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs. All right, here we go. Back at it. Crossover edition, Raiders and Chiefs. Very excited to break down this game. This is round two. This time it is at Arrowhead Stadium. Of course, the Chiefs came away with the first victory, Sunday Night Football, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Chris, I appreciate you uh, spending some time helping me break down this game. The Chiefs are on a nice win streak right now, five-game winning streak. I know that the defense is playing a major role, but how have they all of a sudden come along so strong to be able to help get these Chiefs to this five-game win streak? I think there's a couple things. Really, I think bringing Chris Jones back inside, I think, has been a big key. Frank Clark getting healthy, Melvin Ingram coming over to Kansas City uh, are just a couple of things. But I think really the other part of it is that you have Juan Thornhill playing safety. He is playing better football than he was earlier in the season. I think this defense has finally got to a point where they know what their pieces can do and they're using them more effectively. Uh, and I think what you're seeing is this Chiefs team is trusting each other. This defense is trusting each other. 
to play and do what they're supposed to do. And when they do that, it's really hard to beat because the corners are playing so well. It gives the pass rush a chance to get home and you don't have to blitz. But as you've seen them do multiple times, Kansas City likes to send blitzes, especially at the Raiders. As far as, you know, this defense goes and the way that they're kind of leading the charge, and we'll obviously get into the offensive part of things in a little bit, but uh, as, uh, they're leading the charge right now. Is this something that they could sustain throughout the course of the, the rest of the season, this final month of the season? Can this defense lead them to the promised land, or does the offense need to hurry up and catch up? I think they could lead them to the playoffs. The question about to the promised land is a, is a big one. I don't think that the defense itself is going to be able to lead them to the Super Bowl in a Super Bowl victory, which is right. what this team obviously is shooting for. Uh, but I do think that it's, you know, and, and we do need to talk about this, or I, you know, when we talk about offense, we'll get into a little bit more, but I think the offense is just right there. I think that they have the ability. They still have the key pieces. I think that they're going to, uh, they have the opportunity to get better. The question is whether or not they will, but for now, as long as the defense stays healthy, uh, I think they have the ability to, you know, get them, I think Kansas City has an opportunity to win out, and I'm not trying to sound uh, like a homer or that Kansas City is better than everybody else, but with the way their defense is playing, the question is is what offense is going to come in there and beat them. And right now I don't see one on their schedule that is going to come in there and beat them. They've allowed less than 10 points per game on average over the past four games. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. I mean, it really is, you know, and that's that's a conversation that we haven't had really before is that the Chiefs defense is holding opponents to a certain low level and then all of a sudden, you know, that's the that's the lead dog on the uh, of the unit of the team. And uh, let me ask you about Daniel Sorensen because he's a guy that it was almost like mouse in the house when he was out there on the field. Opposing teams were doing like the Chiefs do with Jonathan Abram. They were looking for him and they were trying to target him because he was the weak link. He comes up with an interception against the Raiders. Last week against Denver, he comes up with a pick six, 75 yards to the house. What has turned around? What has changed the game for him? Why he's all of a sudden playing so well? I think it's a combination of things. I think that they put him back to a more natural position to where he is supposed to be playing. Uh, I think he can be a very good third safety. His biggest problem is he doesn't have the speed. He's never been a speed guy. He's never been a guy that's going to run a four five or, or you know, he's probably even slower. Maybe even a four seven is is probably closer to what he runs. But he has instincts and he's extremely smart when it comes to football. So he knows where he's supposed to be. The question is, is can defenses get him out of where he's supposed to be uh, by tricking him? And I think that's part of what his really come about is he's getting back to, you know, the fundamentals for himself and that's really helped him. And then, you know, it doesn't hurt. You look at the pick six, don't forget, don't take this the wrong way. He made a great play. It was a great run. It was a great run back, but the ball was tipped. So it kind of fell down and fell in his lap. So right place, right time. But you also look at where he was positioned. He was basically positioned as a linebacker. That's not where he was playing early in the season when teams were just carving him up. He was playing and, and playing off coverage and, you know, bailing out the very last second. And they still do some of that stuff with him. But playing him as basically a dime linebacker type uh, as a safety is where he really has thrived his past several seasons in Kansas City. So with him there, I think they're in a much better position. You know, I'll, I'll never knock a guy for being in the right place at the right time, getting a tip ball and, and taking it to the house. The thing is, he made the play, right? He, Absolutely. He, he, he made the play. Uh, the Raiders on Sunday against the Washington football team had about four or five balls that should have been intercepted, could have been intercepted, including one to seal the deal and win the game. And they didn't just make they didn't make the play. So you got to make the play. You know, it could be right there for you. It could be gift wrapped to you. You still got to make the play. So uh, you got to give him credit for being able to do that. Now, if there's an area of this 
Kansas City defense, before we switch over to the offensive side of things, that you know, hey, this is still an issue. This is still where opposing teams can, you know, have some success. Where would you say that is? Well, I think that's part of the reason why it's going to hurt for the Raiders to be missing Waller, although I think that they can exploit it a little bit more with other players as well. But really, pass defense in the middle of the field where you have a linebacker dropping out to cover uh, the middle of the field when you go zones and Anthony Hitchens or Nick Bolton are covering that portion of the field. I think that's still a weakness for Kansas City. Uh, they just don't have the speed to be in that in those types of roles, uh, but Kansas City plays them there. So the question is, is, are you going to have somebody that can take advantage of that? Again, we're talking right now with Chris Clark, host of Locked on Chiefs at Chris Clark NFL on Twitter. And uh, now let's talk about the offensive side of things. And it's funny, on Wednesday I saw, <laughs> I saw Andy Reid talk about the, the Raiders coming to town, and he said, hey, last season, we remember what happened. They won the game, you know, and I'm sure that the victory lap was was talked about as well. What is – what is, how, how much is that being talked about? Because to me, I never thought it was a big deal, but I'm just a guy sitting out in the middle of Las Vegas. What, how much is that victory lap being talked about? It was talked about a lot when it happened. I don't think it's being brought up right now. I okay. think the when you look at what happened and, and the way it happened in Kansas City, I think that that really pissed a lot of people off, so – I do think that there's some probably uh, ill will between the two franchises, but there's ill will because it's a rivalry to begin right. with. So, uh, you know, th- that is what it is. I think really what you're looking at, though, <clears throat> when it comes to how that played out, I, th- I think that it was a little bit of a big deal at the time, uh, but it was going to be a big deal because the Raiders hadn't beat Kansas City for so long. And then they seem to want to throw it in Kansas City's face that they won. And I think that's really what caused it to be a bigger deal than it should have been. Well, you mentioned that the Raiders <laughs> haven't won a whole lot as of late. Right now, Andy Reid is 14-3 and since taking over Kansas City against the Raiders. So that's a whole lot of success right there for Kansas City. How do you think, because last season there was only a handful of fans in, in Arrowhead when the Raiders did go there and get that victory. How do you think the fan base is going to, I, I, I dare say embrace, but how are they going to you know, greet the Raiders when they get there on Sunday? You know just as well as I do, it's going to be raucous. And <laughs> there could be some Raiders fans there, but it's not going to be anything <clears> – <throat> Like any of the other, like, you know, the Green Bay game, there's a ton of Green Bay fans. Yeah. There. But the Raiders game, people want to go to see the Chiefs beat the Raiders. It doesn't matter how good the Raiders are or how good the Chiefs are. It's a rivalry game. People want to go. Chiefs fans want to go and they want to see that game. So uh, I expect that, that the fans are really going to uh, be very loud from their seats. And, you know, I, I just have to say this really quick because as we switched over to offense, I cannot remember very often – in my time covering the team that I have wanted to talk about the defense and not wanted to touch the <laughs> offense. But that's exactly how I felt, and I just wanted to point that out really quick. There was part one of my conversation talking all things Chiefs with Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs, in preparation for Sunday's game, Raiders-Chiefs Arrowhead Stadium. Of course, early kickoff if you're on the West Coast. Coming up in segment number three, we're going to have part two of that conversation. Going to flip things around and start talking all things Chiefs offense. We'll start off talking with some Patrick Mahomes. Before we get to that, though, I do want to remind you that the Super Bowl is less than 100 days away. It's going to be at SoFi Stadium in LA. That's right, Super Bowl 56. And on location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and an experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring exclusive pregame celebrations with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great 
Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. I also want to tell you about betonline.ag. And of course, they have you covered for all the sports you can imagine. Pro and college basketball, pro and college football, NHL, boxing, UFC, all your favorite Vegas casino games, they've got you covered like a glove. More props, odds, and lines. BetOnline.ag is your number one spot for all the sports action all season long. Head to the website right now on your laptop or your mobile device. Sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you got to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. It's all one word, LOCKEDON, at BetOnline.ag. When you put your first deposit in, you use that promo code and you'll get that 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and it's where the game starts. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Lockdown Raiders podcast. And time to jump into part two of my conversation with Chris Clark as we talk all things Kansas City Chiefs. Going to really dibble and dabble into the offensive side of things. And, of course, we got to start things off with Patrick Mahomes. You know, Patrick Mahomes has thrown more interceptions this season than we're ever used to seeing him do. And I know that he's trying to make plays here and there, but how have you seen him progress from the first time that the Raiders played him uh, when they played him in Allegiant Stadium in Vegas to where they are right now? How has he progressed? Is he getting a little bit more patient? At times he does, but I think and what I cannot figure out, and I went and I rewatched this Chiefs game versus uh, this last Chiefs game. I just went back and I rewatched it because I wanted to see – you know, what happened to the offense against the Broncos after they went in and they scored a touchdown and then, you know, they go back down the field and they kick a field goal. Yeah, it's not a touchdown, but it's still points. So, you know, you have a positive drive and they had kicked another field goal later. And <clears throat> what happened to the offense? Because it, it looked like to me, at least when you started the game, they could do whatever they wanted. And then you get to a point where it's a struggle. And I think what it boils down to, and I think the biggest thing that's sticking out to me, and this goes back to Mahomes as well, is the play calling does change a little bit. There is a variation in play calling that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, you know, early on, they were running the ball pretty much down the middle between the guards for the, or sorry, between the tackles for the most part. Uh, and then, you know, when they started not having as much success, they started doing outside runs. And it was with Daryl Williams, not with, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is a little weird. And it was to the short side of the field on the specific run I'm thinking about, which doesn't make sense to do an outside run to the short side with a guy that doesn't have a ton of speed. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still sitting here and you're looking at a situation where, you know, another interception happened that hit off another wide receiver's hands. Mahomes has like eight of those this season. The last I saw, there was, I think, six, maybe seven, that were a 75% chance of completion, according to next-gen stats, that ended up being an interception. That's, he's got 12 picks. So, right. you know, if you take all those away, right. he's back to where he basically was last year, and it's a whole different ballgame. And the bigger thing when you start looking at this offense is you start looking at the things that kill this offense. It's those types of turnovers. It's drops. Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill have had drops upon drops upon drops this year. And I don't understand where it's coming from, but it killed drive after drive against the Broncos, and it's killed multiple drives throughout the season. And then obviously, you know, penalties are also going to hurt drives. Uh, so it, this offense is just all sort, all out of sorts 
and they need to get it figured out. But that's the thing I wanted to, I said earlier that I need to come back to was to me, it's mental mistakes, right? It's not a lack of talent because they do have talent. They have Tyree kill. They'd have Travis Kelsey. They don't have a number three, like, you know, Sammy Watkins last year, which I do think that they're severely missing, uh, even though some don't want to say they are. But they do have Tyree Kill and they do have Travis Kelsey. If those two guys play up to their ability and don't drop two or three passes a game, this is a completely different offense, and they're probably scoring 30 points on every single team they play. Yeah, and that blows my mind because, and I've mentioned his name to you multiple times, is McCole Hardman. I just, I don't understand why he never developed. He just never really developed into the guy I thought he could be. He's got speed to kill. He's just not, he just not that guy. I've said this multiple times, and I've gotten you know killed on it on social media, which whatever. But to me, he never has put in the time that he needed to in the offseason to get to where he needs to be. There you go. Uh, to me, you look at some of the routes he ran in the Super Bowl, and I know, yes, that was last year. He wasn't where Mahomes expected him to be. And in a game where you absolutely have to have somebody, he wasn't there. He couldn't do it. He didn't have the ability to do it, or he didn't do it at that point. Um, the thing that made Tyreek Hill so special was he got into the details of his position and he hit every single thing he possibly could. He worked on his footwork. He worked on his routes. He worked on his hands. He always had the world-class speed, so he didn't have to work on that as much. But if you round off routes in the NFL, you're not going to be as as successful as you could be because you're not going to get open. McCole Hardman should be able to get open. The other thing he struggles with is getting off the press. And you you look at where he has been most successful – it's when he's usually in motion and they're not able to get hands on him at the line is where he usually is going to get open the most. So I think Kansas City has started to move away from going that direction with him. So I wonder if he's even going to be on the team in, in next year. Wow. To be qu- quite honest. Well, he had seven plays, I think, this last, right. this last game. One target. It happens. If you're not doing what you're supposed to do in this league, like you said, round in routes, you can't do that. I mean, you've got to be on point. If not, it's going to be an interception or it's going to be incompletion or, or something. Well, you know, something's going to happen. It, and now he's not even a returner. He's not even their punt returner anymore. It's Mike huge. Hughes took that job. Okay. And Byron Pringle took over the kick return job. So he's not even doing that on special teams at this point. Wow. That, hey, that, you know, but that's the thing. You don't put in the work, you don't put in the time. You're going to find yourself on the pine, man. I mean, simple as that. You know, I, I didn't even mean to rhyme that one, but it did. You know, it's just like, yeah, that's, <laughs> absolutely. that's what's going to happen, man. So, oh, that's that's interesting. And, and final question for you as far as the offense goes. Uh, I know, you know, following the Super Bowl, obviously, reconstruction the office, uh, offensive line was a big deal. You know, went out and made the trade for Orlando Brown. Uh, you know, brought in other guys that can solidify what they got to do. Of course, the center's playing some good ball. But has that offensive line gelled? Are they is about close to a, a finished product as possible? Because they weren't when the Raiders played them the first time. How close are they now? I think they're closer. I think Orlando Brown has gotten better. Okay. Uh, you know, when they traded for him, you know, Ryan and I talked about it. <coughs> and I apologize again. When they traded for him, um, Ryan and I talked about it, and it was going to take some time for him to adjust to this offense. And really for the off- offense to adjust to him because he is not a guy like Eric Fisher who moves in space fantastic right but he is a guy where if he gets his hands on you and he is you know got you in a good you know good balance and whatnot you're not going anywhere i don't care who you are miles mm-hmm. garrett may be the only guy in the nfl that could get past him with a power rush i just I, I you don't see it power doesn't usually get past him unless he is off balance or out of position it's the speed rush that kills him and 
they don't have the ability to do some of the screen game that they used to be able to do because you can't get your tackles out in space. You know, Joe Tooney is not really the guy that gets out in space near as well as some of their offensive linemen of the past, but they can do so many more things now that they couldn't do before. You have three guys in the middle that just kill it in the running game. Orlando Brown kills it in the running game. The question is, is who's going to be the right tackle? Lucas Niang could come back this week. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. We don't know his status for Sunday. I would guess he's probably not back since he was limited on Wednesday, but it's possible. Uh, if he's back, he's a starter, and I think that's an improvement over Andrew Wiley. But Andrew Wiley played really good against Max Crosby the first game. So, right. uh, you know, I think this offensive line is getting better, uh, which, you know, when you look at what they have at center with Creed Humphrey, who is, according to PFF, the best center in the NFL right now, uh, such a massive upgrade from last year at that position. Trey Smith has played phenomenal. Yes, he gets some holds from time to time, but I will take that because he is also doing the dirty work. He is putting people on their butts and pancaking people, and I'm absolutely loving to see it. I love seeing the aggression and the attitude from the offensive line, and he definitely is the guy that's doing that. So there you have it, Raider Nation. Crossover Thursday, December 9th, 2021 is in the books. The Kansas City Chiefs, they're next up on the on the schedule for the Raiders. Week 14 action, Arrowhead Stadium. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with myself and Chris Clark. And uh, if you want to hear the Raiders side of things, if you want to hear the questions he asked me and that had to do with the silver and black, you could always go check out his podcast. But we talk Raiders here every single day. So if I get a chance to have a deep dive into the opponent, I like to do that. And so was able to do that with Chris Clark. Uh, host of Locked on Chiefs. So on Friday's edition of the show, Raider Nation, you know, we'll have keys to victory. What I think the Raiders will have to do to go into Arrowhead and pick up a dub offensively, defensively, special teams, and the coaching side of things. We'll get into that. We'll have calls and texts straight off that Locked on Raider podcast voicemail line. And of course, we'll do the injury report. We'll check out the news and notes. We'll see who's in, who's out. All that good stuff will be on Friday's show as we close out the week. Really strong Raider Nation. Appreciate you as always. Make sure you take care of your family. Love on your family. Do what you got to do. And most importantly, as always, just win, baby.